Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. Today, we are going to be talking about a woman named JL. Now, I could not come up with an original title for this message for some reason. I kept changing it. So I just thought I'd throw it out there. If you guys have any ideas after you listen to the video, I want you to have listened to the message first. But if you have an idea of a name, a title, a good title other than JL um, for this message, I want you guys to put it in the chat. I want you to put it in the comments, um, whether you're on uh, YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching from, put it in the comments. And then I'm going to vote on it. I'm going to probably have my kids and my husband, maybe myself will vote on it. And whoever wins, I will send you a copy of my book, Identity Christ Us. So I just thought that'd be kind of fun. I love giving away things. Um, and I could not think of a title. And I was like, God, why can't I think of a title? I was like, well, ask the people. So anyway, I just like to have a nice title for YouTube and to, to reference back to really if, if I need to at any point. So we will be talking about JL. Now, if you've ever read her story, her story is one of those stories that it's just not a um, Sunday morning dress wearing shirt and tie kind of message, right? It's got a little bit of twist to it. It's got a little bit of um, gruesome details to it, if you will. And, and it's a really difficult story sometimes for people to read and to understand and, and to see where God is at in that. And so I want to start in Judges 4. We're going to go ahead and flip over to that. And we're just going to get a little backstory so we can have an understanding of what God is trying to do in this situation. So we're going to start in Judges 4.1. It says, again, again, Notice again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now the Ehad was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan. So as we've talked about before, the Israelites constantly would be on this roller coaster of worshiping God in one moment. They'd be in the mountains. They'd be excited. They'd be worshiping him. They'd be obedient to do what he was telling them to do. They'd be doing all of the things, following all the commandments. And then the next second, they would start doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. They would be sinning. They would fall into, or they would choose temptation. They would choose to do these things, to worship other idols. They did child sacrifices. They did so many horrible things. And it was just this constant up and down and up and down and up and down. Now, as we read through the Old Testament, we look at how the Old Testament points to Jesus, right? That's our number one thing that we want to see. These stories in the Old Testament are here to point us to the fact that we need a Savior. And we see by this story already that the Israelites were at a point where they need a Savior because they can't do it. No matter how hard they try, no matter what they do, they just keep going back to their mess. And so that's one of the points that we can get out of every story in the Old Testament. But then we look even deeper and we see that God is doing something else, that he's working a story out, that he's doing something in these people's lives so that they can be used to really help us and to guide us. And so we see how in this, the Israelites, their circumstances are now changed. They've been sold to the Canaanites. They're struggling. They're not liking theirs. And all of a sudden they're like, oh gosh, I think we messed up. Oh God, help us, right? So much like us. We go up and down and up and down and up and down. And when we're in the valleys and when our circumstances begin to change and when things get bad, then we cry out to God, God, help us. And God is merciful and God is faithful and God is good. So what does he do? He helps the Israelites over and over and over and over. 
Now, during this time, there's a woman, listen, there's a woman in a culture that is not for women. Okay. The culture is so not like the culture. Now the culture says that women are nothing, that they are objects. They are looked at as, as nothing. We were looked at, or I say we, I wasn't there. It wasn't me, but women were looked at as objects. They were looked at as like, they didn't have any value whatsoever. Yet God raises up a woman to lead Israel. Deborah, the prophetess, Deborah, the leader of Israel, and, and God speaks to her when the people come to her and they're just like, help, like we've got to do something, got to do something about this, Deborah. Then God gives her a word because remember, she's a prophetess. So she hears directly from the Lord and she's able to speak out what God is saying through her. And so she sends for a man named Barak. And we're going to look at the, the conversation that her and Barak have. And you can find this. And uh, let's see, we're down in verse gosh, six. And so it says, the Lord, the God of Israel. So here's Deborah talking to Barak. She says, the Lord, the God of Israel commands. Notice she doesn't say suggest. She doesn't say is asking if maybe you want to, is, is, is implying that it might be a wise idea. No, she said, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Go take with you 10,000 men of Nephtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. So God is telling Barak through Deborah. Again, he's using Deborah's voice, but God is speaking to Barak and saying, you need to take your 10,000 men and you need to go here and I will deliver the commander, the, the big cheese, the one, the general, the one that's over all of the, I will literally deliver him into your hands. All you have to do is step out in faith. All you have to do is be obedient. All you have to do is do exactly what I'm telling you to do. And this is my promise to you. I will deliver Sisera, the, the general, the commander of the army of King Jabin. I will deliver him to your hands. You don't even have to do anything but be obedient. And listen to how Barak answers. Barak said to her, if you go with me, he's telling Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. I'm like, Barack, come on, buddy. Like God commanded you. And now you're putting stipulations on that commandment. See, and this is so what we do sometimes. God tells us to be obedient, to step out and do something. He tells us something. He commands us something. He tells us something. And there's a promise attached to it. But we give him partial obedience. We, we put our stipulations, say, well, God, I'll do it if you do it my way. See, because God, I've already have this agenda. I already know how I'm going to do this. And if you meet me here and you do it my way, then I'll do it. But if not, then I'm just not going to do this. And this is exactly what Barak does. Now, I want you to listen to how Deborah responds. This is such wisdom. Certainly, I will go with you. So she's like, all right, I'm going to go with you. That's cool. I can do that. I mean, she's like the bomb, right? Deborah's like courageous and she's she's confident and she's like, okay. But she says, Barack, but understand this. Understand that I will go with you, but you're not going to get the honor. You're not going to get the honor of killing Sisera. You're not going to get the honor. It says, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. 
For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Now, this is foreshadowing where JL comes into place. This is foreshadowing something that's so great. This is showing us that Barak literally denied to do what God was telling him to do. Now, Deborah and Barak go on and they, they kill all of the army except for Sisera. Sisera, actually, my husband was like, I wonder if that's where they got the name Sissy because his name is Sisera and he was a coward. He left his army there to die at the Kishon River. He left, he left them to die. I, that is not a good leader. We don't leave our people to die, right? We sit with them and we fight with them and, and we go through the trenches with them. But he, he stepped down and he left his army to die and, and he began to run and he was trying to find a place where he could be safe. Now, we're about to get to JL, but to understand why Sisera ran to JL in her tent, we need to understand her culture. We need to understand that she was married to Heber, Heber the Kenite. And Kenites were like nomadic metal workers. They were nomadic um, smiths. Smiths. They were nomadic people that did work with metal and they made swords and they made all kinds of things. So if you think about them and you think about what they're doing, you see that they had alliances with all of the friend, all of the different groups of people. It's like that kid in school that was friends with the, the bad kids, the good kids, the kickers, the stoners, the, the whatever they were called back in the day, right? I, okay, that was in the 90s. I don't think it's like that anymore. It'd probably be canceled or something. But my point being is that they were like an alliance with every group of people because they provided things that every group of people needed. And so they were like that kid, like I said, that's friends with all of the fringe groups. And so it actually tells us that, that JL's husband, Heber, was in alliance with King Jabin. So there was an alliance there. So when Sisera left, he found out that JL and her husband had pitched their tents and at this certain place. And, and he ran to that. He went to that hoping to seek safety. And so we're going to read how this story unfolds and how God uses a woman in such a, a unique and unusual way. All right. So we're going to skip down to verse 18 and it says, JL went out to meet Sisera. Now, before I get too much further in this, I want to note that she went out to meet him. It's almost like she knew ahead of time. It's like she felt called by God to go and meet. It's almost like she knew. And it says, Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come, my Lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and covered him with a blanket. Now, in that culture, we need to understand that there were culture, cultural norms. There were things that were done that you didn't cross certain boundaries with. And, and JL throughout this story, we'll see how she breaks three of those cultural norms in order to be obedient to what God is calling her to do. And the first cultural norm that she breaks is happening right here in this scripture. And it says that she invites a man into her tent. Now, in that culture, if you were a married woman, woman, you did not, you did not invite a man into your tent because you were not supposed to be alone with another man. Even the Canaanites respected some of these rules, maybe not this one, but some of these cultural norms, even the Canaanites, even the people that did not worship God, they had the same cultural practices and cultural norms. And so JL from off the bat, she already goes outside of that and she invites this man in. So let's continue. 
And it says, I'm thirsty, he said, please give me some water. So she opened a skin of milk. And when you study this out, you can see that it was most likely curdled milk. It was warm milk. It made him tired. So she opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there? Say no. See, and here's the, the second cultural norm that JL is about to break. Whenever somebody comes into your home during this time, then there is an expectancy of hospitality. And that included providing shelter, providing food, and providing protection. And this is why he asks, this is why Cicero says, hey, stand at the door, let me know, because he is expecting her to provide her him shelter, which she did, food, which she gave him milk, and then the protection. So he says, stand at the door. Let's see what happens. But JL, Herber's wife, oh, I'm sorry, um, stand in the doorway of of the tent, he told her, if someone, okay, yeah. So then in verse 21, it says, but JL, Heber's wife picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. So she was not providing protection for him, right? She was the one that he needed protection from. So now that's the second cultural norm that JL broke. Just then Barak came in came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So she went in with her, he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with a tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. So God's plan came to pass. It always does because God is faithful. And if God wants something done, then it will be done. Amen. Now the third cultural norm that JL, she crosses a boundary on is that she undermined her husband. Now what we need to understand is back then again, women were objects. They had no rights. They were nothing. And her husband, it says that he had that alliance with King Jabin. And so one of King's Jabin men, his main man, comes in for protection and JL takes the tent peg and just, she ends it, doesn't she? And that causes a problem. Now, King Jabin died. And so obviously there was nothing there. But when her husband finds out, we don't know what happened to JL. He very easily could have killed her. And she knew that because she was living in that culture. She understood that if she undermined her husband, that he could just take her out and that was fine. It was okay. Nobody was going to say anything because that was the cultural norm and that was okay. And what is so amazing about this story, and there's so much controversy with JL, is a lot of people are like, well, no, how could she be used by God if she was doing all these things? Well, here's the thing is that JL knew the consequences. She knew that she was going outside the cultural norm norm. She knew that she was going to get pushback. She knew that she may die, yet she was obedient to do what God was calling her to do. She did not give God 
half obedience. She gave God full obedience. Barak didn't have much to lose, yet he could only give half. Yet JL, she gave it all. She surrendered it all. She said, you know what? I am going to do this because this is what is right in the eyes of the Lord. This is what needs to be done. So I'm going to do it knowing full well that I could end up dead right beside him. Mm, That is so good. And what's crazy about this is some people say, well, she was second. She was picked second. You know, that God had to use a woman because the man didn't. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing is that God knew before the beginning of time that Barak was going to say no. He knew that Barak was going to give him half obedience and he did not want that. So he knew that he had to choose someone else. So before the beginning of time, God chose JL to kill Sisera. God chose JL to finish what they had started. God chose JL. And see, so many of us get confused with things like that. We want to give God our half obedience and we want to step out and do half-hearted things, but we want to hold on to something maybe in our past. We want to hold on to maybe something that somebody else is doing for us, or we want to hold on whatever it is that it's your crutch. God is saying, it's time to let go of that. It's time to start giving me full obedience. No longer this half-hearted obedience, no matter, no longer this partial obedience. I, uh, about, gosh, it was probably, it was around COVID when COVID started, God gave me a vision and it was like this line. It was like this fence and it was, it represented because it was gray and there was black and there was white. And, and God showed me that he was asking people to choose which side, because so many believers have been on the fence. So many people have been on the fence and he's starting. I don't know what's happening, but I I sense that the Lord is starting to ask us to come up higher. And this does not mean you have to be perfect. I'm not saying that you have to do everything right. I'm not saying that you have to have it all together. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is you have to be willing. You have to be willing. See, JL was willing. She was available. She was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm willing. I'm willing to give up everything. I'm willing to take whatever is coming. And see, sometimes we're not even willing to step out because we're scared somebody's going to comment something bad on social media about us. We're not willing to step out. We're not willing to do whatever it is God is calling us to do because we're scared of people. We're scared of what they'll say about us. They're scared. We're scared of how they'll look at us. We're scared that it might ruin our reputation or whatever. And God is saying, it's time to make a choice. It's time to choose which side you're on. It's time to either be fully obedient or not obedient at all. See, Barack wasn't obedient. He wasn't. He even said it. He was like, he wasn't just like saying that he would still do it or anything. No, he said, I'll do it my way or I'm not doing it at all. And that's what we do, right? And God is saying, it is time to make a decision. It is time to choose. So I don't know where you guys are in your journey with the Lord. I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with. I don't know what it is that you're trying to hold on to. And and maybe I just sense that there's a lot of you guys that you have your own agenda, that you know that you're called by God, that there's a purpose and a plan for your life that you can't even imagine. And that you have set before God your agenda of how it's going to happen. And I just want to encourage you to let that go today.
I've struggled with the same thing just here recently. I thought that my ministry was going to go a totally different direction. The big picture's the same. It still looks the same. God is still giving me that vision and that dream, and I know it's going to come to pass. But how I get there has changed, and that's been really difficult for me. And I think I touched on that last week, but literally this week, I had to surrender part of my agenda because some opportunities may be coming up that I can take. And if I don't surrender my agenda, I'm not going to be able to do what God is calling me to do. And if I don't surrender my agenda, then you know what? I'm not going to be the one that's going to have the ministry that God put on my heart. I, I just believe that with all of my heart. I believe that if I try to do this my own way and I don't surrender that, then God will find someone that will. And, and that's heartbreaking to me because I've this has been a long journey and I don't want to lose that just because I can't let go of what I think should happen. And so this week I had to re-surrender it. I feel like I'm constantly just surrendering it and surrendering it and surrendering it. And maybe you're there too. Maybe it's your agenda. Maybe it's what people think. Maybe you have a struggle with something for you. I don't know what it is, but God does and you do. And I want to encourage you today to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to follow him. And, and people may hate me and people may come against me and people may persecute me, but you know what? I know that it's okay because I have God and I'm doing what he's called me to do. Amen. Amen. 